Thank you for joining us on another episode of today's episode. Today we're going to be talking about Hulu's new series, Woke, which just dropped its first 10 episodes, the pilot being called Rhymes with Broke. Now the title of the show is both provocative and ironic. That's a risky gambit when it comes to TV shows. It reminds me a lot of Dear White People. Yeah. Yeah. Right off the bat, you know that the show isn't going to shy away from any sort of controversy. So what were your thoughts going in? Well, I knew that I was going to get a show that dealt a lot with racial relations and a lot with timely subject matter, but I believe that probably because it dealt with those themes, I think that the reviews are probably pretty polarizing in this. Well, they got average reviews. I mean, it has a 5.1 on IMDb, but I'm willing to give it a little bit of a break because it just came out and that might fluctuate a lot. Uh, Did you see the poster to the show? No. Okay, it's got kind of a cool, like artsy kind of vibe so i was going to ask like did it look cool like was it shot well i mean yeah one of the first things you see because the episode deals with like um this main character keith who's african-american after he gets tackled by the cops he can like speak to inanimate objects and you see like their eyes and mouth like yeah they're anthropomorphized he speaks to a lot of them he speaks to like um a trash can and a couple of bottles of liquor. Even at one point, he crosses a wall that has a picture on it, and then like these windows kind of open up, and you see that the wall has eyeballs. Yeah. And, so basically, everything can talk. <laughs> yeah, and usually these inanimate objects are kind of trying to tell him that like he should stand up for himself. Like for example, he goes uh, to this hairstylist that I think it's the place is called Darnell's or something along those. That's lines. interesting because a lot of the cast in this show and a lot of the people behind it are from the show or from the movie franchise of Barbershop. Like even yeah. the main character was in uh, Barbershop: The Next Cut, and the showrunner was from Barbershop: The Original. Right. Yeah, and so, yeah. when he walks in there, he like wants to get a haircut from Darnell, but it's all just white people, and they're all like, "Oh, well, Darnell uh, quit yesterday, but you know, you can get a forty-two with us, like the yeah. boy too." Two things on that: one, do you remember um, Atlanta's episode of the barber? Yeah, that's one of the best and funniest. Did that remind you at all of that? Uh, a little bit, yeah. And also along the lines of... Um, I watched an interview with Obama once where he said that he also had a, a barber in Chicago that he'd been going to for like his whole life. And so it's not uncommon for people to just get latched onto one person and be like, that's my guy. So if you find out that he's no longer there, it makes sense that you would right. be kind of pissed and, off. And again, it was all white people. So they're like, hey, look at the walls. We still kept the pictures up. And it's just a ton of pictures of black figures like Malcolm X yeah, and people and like, along those lines. So And so when he walks out and he speaks to this trash can, the trash can is kind of like, you know, this, this doesn't make any sense. You should stand up for yourself. So he picks up the trash can and throws it at the Darnell's window. Um, Jesus. <laughs> trying to break it. But then he isn't able to. So it like bounces off. Yeah, that and I think like... that that I think that was a reference to uh, "Do the Right Thing," the Spike Lee movie, where at the very end, Spike Lee throws a trash can at a window at a pizza <laughs> shop. So yeah. yeah, the trash can's actually voiced by Cedric the Entertainer. Everybody who was voicing this, I found pretty funny. Like they had JB Smoove there, they had Tony Hale, um, they had uh, Eddie Griffith and Nicole Byer as the liquor bottles. It was just a lot of funny people. And then even the roommates that he had were also pretty funny. So the yeah, actual, I, sorry, this actual um, place that they shot it was Vancouver. So they brought up several times how they couldn't find enough black people because they were in Canada as opposed to in San Francisco where it was taking place. Yeah. So that was actually one of the problems they had. So it's funny it translated into the episode a little bit. And you mentioned the roommates. Clovis is a funny roommate because he keeps on using i guess the white people's knowledge of black entertainment like he keeps on acting like um black athletes in order to pick up 
chicks. <laughs> yeah, so, so Clovis was played by T. Murph. He's a comedian who was on the Kevin Hart show for a while, but yeah. he has been one of the people pointed out as having done a really good job in this role and being one of the standouts yeah. as far as the side characters. And I think concerned. the fact is uh, because he gets the best lines and also he's the most level-headed out of any of the characters, including the main character, because... You kind of see Keith's mental decline in this episode. I can imagine. Yeah. He starts like, speaking to inanimate, inanimate objects. So the, the big thing that they're leaning up to in this episode is the fact that he's going to be releasing his comic strip, Toast and Butter. Mm-hmm. And um, he has a problem because he thinks that white people are going to look at that and think that it's just very vanilla and everything's okay. But he's not sure if he should make a statement about it or not. Even bringing up the Matrix scene with the red pill or the blue pill. Talking about taking the red pill, which I think was also a reference to the red pill movement that kind of has I think that's been happening lately. So when he goes up there and he is uh, supposed to be introducing his toast and butter comic, he like gets a cartoon of the toast and the butter like that pop out and are like, yeah, you know, sell us, make us really good. And then the marker, which you said was voiced by JB Smoove, is telling him like, no, you should send a message about race and everything. And he listens to the marker and basically has a mental breakdown on stage like flipping over the posters of toast and butter and just talking about how like an elf scene where like he yeah. jumps on the table and runs it <laughs> yeah and some of his like things that he's saying are warranted like there's a mascot of the toast but oh, so, it's like, just like the microaggressions that he's calling out yeah kind of because okay. there's a guy that's dressed up as the toast um who's burnt and he's also in blackface because uh-huh. he's burnt and uh, the toast even tries to stand up for himself a little bit. He's like, no, 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 we don't care if you're, you know, black, white, purple, yellow, or, and he gets starts naming things. And then, uh, Keith goes, yeah, you know, one thing I really hate is the greens. And then people start laughing and you're like, oh, okay. So he's going to be able to charm over the audience, but no, he just starts going full on at it. Like he starts speaking about things that happened in the episode to him earlier. Like he's on the bus. And someone is like, is like, oh, you're the person who makes toast and butter. I didn't think you'd be, and he's obviously going to say, like, African-American, but he realizes how wrong that sounds. So the guy backs off and is like, I didn't think you'd be tall. So Keith references that in his, like, big rant thing where he's like, it's not a good thing to say I didn't think you'd be black. Like, that's not a compliment. And so he just kind of goes off, and it's left with him basically possibly ruining his career. Yeah, so... In order to put this in a little bit of context, we have to look at, like, the show creator, who is actually got a very similar name, Keith Knight, as opposed to Keith Knight. Mm -hmm. And the character in the show is based off not only his personal experiences, but his comics personal experiences in K Chronicles and Nightlife. They've had some crazy storylines, but... Um, like, they've included characters uh, from George Bush to Dick Cheney yeah. to God, who I believe God was, like, a hamster or something. Yeah, if- and, and he, this wasn't afraid to shy away from topics like that. Like, during Keith's rant, he even is like, yeah, slavery was a long time ago. You also want also want to know what was a long time ago jesus and the whole audience like starts like (gasps) and has a big gasp and everything yeah so as an opening like cartoonist back in the 90s uh keith would get hired in during black history month Mm -hmm. and then like only black history month (laughs) and he would like tell people i worked the other 11 months of the year but no one would ever hire him uh he also ran into almost a parallel situation as what was shown in the pilot um where the Cops stopped him, racially profiled him, said that they were looking for someone who was like six foot and black, and that was the only reason why. And his roommates saw them stop uh, Keith from a bus and had to get off and be like, hey, 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 what's going on? So I know that that was almost 
shown in the show in a different yeah, format. Yeah, and at the end of yeah. the episode, he meets the mugger who he was confused as. Yeah. Um, but yeah, about 10 minutes in, he gets tackled by the police because he's racially profiled. And then uh, Gunther, who is a really funny character, one of the workaholics, runs up and is like, hey, man, that's not the right person. Like, You, you almost saw the guy who plays Gunther, um, let's see, Blake Anderson, when uh, he was doing that um, promotion for Game, Game Over, Over Man, Man right? Yeah. yeah, like the whole Workaholics but cast. I couldn't go because I had class, yeah. But they were all supposed to be um, where this big theater was. So. Well, they were there, right? They, yeah, they, they were ended there. up answering Great questions Q&A. and stuff. Yeah. yeah, he has a funny quote about this series because his character is very similar to other characters he's played. He says, I'm a long-haired, laid-back dude, so I can get cast, or I kind of get cast uh, as stoner types. Fair enough. And he did, yeah. He literally plays a cocaine user in this episode, and he sells cocaine. Um, but one thing that I found really good in this uh, episode was that there wasn't, wasn't any characters that annoyed me. The acting was really good. That being said, I guess wasn't a big fan of the story. It felt very jumbled with the genres that they were trying to uphold. Yeah, some of the criticism has said, like, the show is not that fresh or insightful. It stays too light. Its racism is pretty straightforward, and there's not enough nuance to it. Yeah, it's funny you talk about like it staying light because that's one of the things that uh, the toast and butter talk to Keith about when it, right before he's about to have his rant, and then uh, the marker goes, "It's too light. Make it too dark or too black or something like that." And so that's kind of a reference that they use in the episode. They but, also said that it's unbelievable that a 30-some-year-old black man living in San Francisco, who's erudite like he is, which means he takes in a lot of information, would be lacking in self-awareness enough to not understand what was going on in the real world. Right, yeah. Like, we, we exist in a world where there's a Black Lives Matter protests almost daily, if not, like, hourly, different places in the world, and the idea that you would not be aware of police brutality or racism right. is just kind of confounding and clovis talks about that he literally is like because you know uh gunther and keith finally tell clovis they're like yeah i got racially profiled this morning and then clovis is like oh you're one of those people that like doesn't realize how much of a problem it is until it actually happens to you and so that's kind of do you do you remember aziz and zari's show the one he had on netflix master of none yeah there's a very similar episode with the whole idea of like microaggressions and stuff like i know his whole series is about that in a way but one he where he goes into an audition and they keep on asking him to do an accent and stuff like that and lamorne uh morris the main character here the guy who this is the first time he's been number one on the call sheet found out that it was different being a spokesperson or like team captain of the crew couldn't go hanging out with them after hours because he had to be back at work by 5 a.m in the morning reminds me of cool runnings where it's like the team leader has to like always be in and studying yeah he referred to it as like a quarterback on a football team which is interesting um you also have he was in game night he was in new girl obviously i think that was his biggest role uh and then yesterday he played like a studio exec or something oh yeah yeah, yeah. i remember which scene that was that was when he was like talking about the albums yeah something timely and interesting about him is that he actually posted something about chadwick boseman uh after his death and he was actually coached by him he was not roommates with him, but he was very good friends with him uh, in, like, from 2005, 2006 onwards. He he coached him on the New Girl audition. He helped him choose if he wanted to be in that show because he was given multiple offers. And he also helped him audition for Selma as well. He didn't get the part in Selma, but he was playing the character too funny and... Oh, Chadwick yeah, Selma's, Boseman, yeah, Selma's a very serious drama. Yeah, but he was used to doing comedy. Right. And Chadwick Boseman gave him the good advice of, like, hey, 
you got to be serious here to audition. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, yeah, I mean, that just seems an interesting thing to mention right now with yeah, the show just coming out. <laughs> yeah, depressing. I'll, I'll give you that. Uh, did you find any character was your favorite? Um, yeah, I mean, like, I like Clovis because um, he kept on doing this shtick where he, like, played as a black athlete in order to get woman. Yeah, I, so, I heard that that was part of the first episode. Did it work? Uh, some of the time, but at the very end when uh, Keith is doing his rant, he's like, and just because he's black and has Jordans doesn't mean he's an athlete. And then right then a woman gets up and, like, that was sitting next to yeah, him yeah, and walks okay. out. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they, they had a couple visual gags, but... I just don't know how well the show is going to be able to mesh its genres together. It feels like it's doing too much. has too much on its plate, I think. Well, Keith Knight pitched the show for a while. He wants viewers to understand straight off the bat that it's not aiming to be a game changer or large social scale, like you talked about, movement of a show. Um, you have Blackish, The Carmichael Show, Dear White People, Atlanta, When They See Us. I'm not going to get into all the movies, but uh, you have definitely a range of race-conscious shows and I think Atlanta's probably my favorite out of all the one that, yeah, that we same, mentioned there. So. Yeah, it's the one that I think pushes the boundaries the most while also being real in a weird way despite the comedy. Yeah, and that, like, compelling storylines. Yeah. But if you think about it, the comedy's outrageous in that show. Like, yeah. some of the ones yeah. like... Uh, well, this isn't an episode. Their review about the Eddie Atlanta. episode, but yeah, yeah, the Eddie episode was crazy. Speaking of Eddie, that was the the Michael Jackson episode, right? Sort of. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. Well, apparently Keith Knight was a Michael Jackson, uh, what are they called, impersonator when, oh, he, really? was, when yeah. he was a teenager. And now he's writing a graphic novel about his experiences today uh-huh. that he's going to release. He also is an interesting guy because when he actually pitched, pitched his show before it got picked up by Hulu, he would like take all his comics over the last 20 years, the comics that have won like a ton of awards for best comics mm-hmm. and stuff. So he would put it all into this anthology that was as thick as like, a phone book and he would chuck it on the middle of the table at the end of the pitch and let it just hit the thing and make a loud smack and then he would say that's your first 10 seasons and then he would uh, walk out the door that sounds like a tv show moment yeah it's a lot of confidence (laughs) yeah it sounds like a comedy in in its own right but i think that's what his point was and he also was the one who personally like kept his thumb on the show the entire time he didn't just sign his rights away he was there with the writers the directional decisions and he's the one who brought in the people from the barbershop uh to co co create as well as like co-write right, yeah. the series do you, do you know where the show goes after this because i know the episode ends with it starts off with him walking like and you see him walking past these stores and everything and it ends with him walking back to his apartment but he stops and stares at his pen and then you hear everything that all the inanimate objects are saying to him um at the very end of the episode through voiceover and then you hear one say so what are you going to do now and i'm just wondering do you know where it goes from there yeah i mean i read the continuation but i'm not going to spoil too much since we're just reviewing the pilot uh i will say that things get more intense for him because He's obviously coming to more and more of the understanding of what his world is like. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that they're immune from also the comedy of it. And that I, when I first heard that there were inanimate objects speaking, I thought of the Wet Hot American Summer soup can. Do you remember yeah, that guy? Yeah, yeah. Was it anything like that or was that maybe no, too funny? <laughs> the eyes actually made them more real, which I think was kind of the point. And so, yeah. 
where, where the Weha American like soup can was obviously just meant to be a complete like outlandish joke. Yeah, the person in charge of all the puppetry and animation, or the person who gave the idea at least for it, and the magical realism way that they did that was Morris uh, Maribel, who they call like Mo. I also had another funny fact that Knight began to get noticed after he published a cartoon for a concert review for guess who the Beastie Boys <laughs> and Cypress Hill, uh, their their combined yeah, show that they did together. Up, yeah. Yeah, the Beastie Boys are just everywhere now with their Apple series and stuff like that. But it's just funny that he hasn't shied away ever, really, from incorporating police violence and such into his comics. He's never shied away from that. So the character Keith isn't an exact translation. It's not like he just came to an epiphany later on in his career. He he knew from the get-go, and that's what really has made him different. I talked about blackface earlier. They also uh, bring up whiteface, where... Uh, Keith looks at a photo of himself and realizes that the producers, I guess, of like, Toast and uh, Butter had lightened his face up. They, like, whitewashed him? Yeah, a little bit. So when he picks up his photo, he sees himself and himself speaks to himself in complete white face, and it's it's supposed to be kind of disturbing, but also funny at the same time, and I thought that was a good visual gag. Yeah, that's, that's weird that they would do that. Also, the name of the episode is Rhymes with Broke. Yeah, and, and that's something that Clovis says to Keith during the episode. He's he says, like, woke rhymes with it, broke, it's right? During, yeah, it's during okay. the time that Clovis um, was like, oh, you're one of the people that it's not a big deal until it happens to you. That's yeah, just, but it took me a second to be like, oh, oh, okay, that's what they're trying to say. Because usually you look at the pilot name or the, just the name of the show separately than yeah. from the show, but it's actually just one complete sentence. Right, yeah, I know that sometimes shows a name like two episodes, like an on-running sentence, so that's, yeah. So overall, what would you probably give the series like out of one out of ten like five and a half okay so you it's, weren't that it impressed it shows potential but again it just jumbled its message i feel like too much and too i'm sure they have ideas for like the future seasons and if they do a good enough job with like the puppetry and have funny voices and they're able to at least touch upon the topics that they want to do then i mean it may take it could off be successful yeah i just want to point out the show came out with eight episodes for hulu and Atlanta came out with 10 episodes in its first season, and it was able to achieve just universal acclaim. Yeah, but I feel like they were actually kind of able to get away with more because it premiered on FX. So you think that might be the difference is that they just had less of a bar? Because it seems like the Keith Knight guy was pretty satisfied with what they were able to do. They weren't really re- restrained from doing anything. Yeah, but I also think that Atlanta is a different TV show. Obviously, Donald Glover is the one who produced it, right? Yeah. And made it and wrote so, it. And so, all. yeah, it's going to go about its message a different way, I think. So. Yeah. I was about to say Donald Faison. <laughs> okay. He's supposed to be in season three now. <laughs> I mean, he could. He's a good actor. All right. Um, I think that we basically mentioned the highlights of the first episode and talked a little bit about where it came from. Uh, we might come back to it if it gets a second season. And thank you for listening to this episode. We'll see you next time. Thanks. Bye. Bye.